This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at leno.com slash ifreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks, episode number 225. This week on our panel, we have Erica Sadoon. Hello from Denver. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City. Uh, we have a guest today. Our guest is Paolo Faria. Paolo, will you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Paolo Faria. I'm currently based in Curitiba. It's a, south, uh, a city in the south of Brazil, a very nice city. And I've been developing for Apple platforms since two, 2012, more or less. And the past couple of years, I've been focusing on server-side development. And yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> the most of it. So, how did you get into Apple development? Uh, I was back in college. Uh, uh, I was an iOS development course. Uh, was there? That was the first time that I got in touch with Apple development. And then after that, I just fell in love. So <laughs> here I am right now. Are you? Do you make your living doing iOS development? Yeah, mostly. I also do an Android development. But I've been working mostly with iOS development. Very cool. And you mentioned you do server-side stuff. Um, and I'm curious, do you do server-side Swift? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm the creator of, of Zewo. <laughs> Even I don't know how to pronounce it uh, because it's a, an Hadian word. It's a Hadian Creole. So I believe the correct pronunciation would be something like Zewo. Zero in a, like a modified French, so it'll be something like the wolf. Oh, I had no idea that's where that name came from. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I created Zero. Actually, I believe I was one of the first to start messing with server-side Swift. I started it um, in June to 2015 after Craig announced that Swift would be open sourced. So after that day, that specific day, I started working on, on a server-side uh, project, which later became Zero. And before that, there, there was someone else who also worked with Zero, oh, sorry, with server-side stuff, even before uh, we had a Linux compiler. But I don't quite remember his name. He's, he has a lot of projects related to uh, to server side stuff. Let me remember. He's he's the one, the guy that that created Swift Foundation, I, be, I believe. Do you, do you know this project? Well, I yeah, the the guys who do Perfect were working on that before Swift went open source. So we actually had them on the show. Um, oh, so they they did as well. Yeah, I think they were predicting that Swift was going to go open source and, and betting on that. And of course, they. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we released uh, Zero even before the Linux compiler was was released. So I, yeah, we were all like like you mentioned, like betting on uh, Swift on the server. And I'm very happy that that it's really becoming a reality. You know, um, to be honest. I think it's a li uh, it's not mature enough, but I'm sure it will. And I think concurrency, uh, it's the last part that the, the missing feature that we need to really make it like uh, a true and mature uh, um, e e ecosystem for the server side. Well, I'm really excited about Swift on the server myself as a Swift developer. You yes. know, who, who doesn't? 
know JavaScript that well and doesn't know Python really that well and, you know, doesn't want to use Java. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being able to use yeah. Swift on the server seems really great to me. And I've played yeah. around a little, but I, ha I haven't used it for anything serious yet because like you, I'm, I'm still not sure it's ready for primetime like production use. Although I hope that's getting closer and closer. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do use it on production. I'm working now uh, with uh, a small team from New Zealand who's, who's uh, using Zero uh, at production with uh, an application for hospitals for healthcare. So <laughs> it's a very important uh, use case, you know, because lives might be uh, in danger because of the cold road. So uh, it's very scary, but it's, it's nice to see it um, working on uh, such an important uh, use, you know. There's a lot of interest in server-side Swift these days. I know that um, IBM has been doing a lot of work there. Could you yes. kind of give us an overview of who is in this space and what they're doing? Yeah, I believe the the big four, but uh, at, at, at the first it was big four, but now zero is, it's really, uh, how can I say? I stopped uh, giving much attention to it because of the lack of concurrency. Uh, so I'm basically waiting for, for it to happen. But the initial big four was Perfect, uh, from Perfectly Soft. It's a, a company based in Canada. IBM, everyone knows IBM. Uh, and Vapor. Uh, Vapor, uh, I believe they're from, from New York. Uh, one of them was uh, is from New York and the other one I believe it, he moved to New York as well, Logan. And, and, concur and concurrency well, is so important at the server side because you have requests coming in asynchronously, yes. right? Yeah, you, you got to be able to, to deal with all of the load uh, in a timely fashion. So concurrency is what allows you to... Uh, orchestrate the all of the things that must happen in parallel not necessarily in parallel uh, uh, in the sense of threads you know not necessarily they must be running in all, all of the cores but most of the time yeah if you want to use all of your the resources resources yes you need to also deal with uh, with parallelism and concurrency it's like um it, it, it's it's not similar. How can I say? It's not the same as parallelism. So it's important to understand the difference between the two. Uh, but yes, you, you need we need to have a way, a sane way, to work with concurrency. And concurrency is a, a very hard topic, <laughs> and it's even harder for me who really got into it. But yeah, that's that's one of the most important things, and to me it was the most important thing, and that's what made the approach, the zero approach, different from all of the other framework works. For example, we don't use uh, Grand Central Dispatch, which which is like the de facto uh, concurrency library for Apple development. And the now, reason I oh, Grand sorry. Central Dispatch is a fairly new technology, isn't it? It's only a few years old, right? Um, actually, I'm not sure. I believe it's... It, it came out in 2009. And yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. you're, you're getting old now, Erica, because that's eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, but it just seems like it's something that, you know, hit the scene after... You know, many, many years of something less structured. Yeah, I'm, te oh, yeah, I'm teasing you. I, I was I was <laughs> doing this before GCD was a thing, too. And Right. And so now with Swift, I know that there's an attempt to define a Swift-specific dispatch system. So what are the limitations of Grand Central Dispatch? 
And why, why are we rebuilding things? What is changing? What's new in the technology? Yeah, I believe, actually, to me, personally, the, the biggest problem with Grand Central Dispatch and what made me uh, look for coroutines, which is the base for Zero, is the fact that you, you have to uh, use asynchronous programming. And that is something that makes things more complicated, you know. Uh, I don't know. What do you mean by synchronous programming? Are you talking about that in any sort of function that statements are executed sequentially rather than in parallel? Yeah. Not not necessarily in parallel, but asynchronously. Uh, like when you have a callback, that's that's the definition. The easiest way to define an asynchronous function. It's a function that when you call it, it returns immediately, and that whatever the work that has to be done, it's uh, it's ran uh, in another time, maybe, and then you get the results after the the work is done. It doesn't necessarily has to be parallel. To, to for example, Node.js, uh, if you don't configure it uh, to make it run in pattern in parallel or sorry to run a lot of processes one process one process for each uh, core in your machine the the whole pro program will run in a single core so it's it's a bit hard because there's this three level of 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 concepts synchronous and asynchronous functions parallel and uh, single threads when you run things in a single thread and concurrency, which is the way that you may orchestrate all of these things together. So talking about uh, synchronous programming and synchronous programming, the difficulty of asynchronous programming uh, is that you need to, to deal with callbacks. And then you have like uh, the pyramid of doom when you have nested callbacks inside of nested callbacks. And that makes uh, reasoning a lot harder. So what are the some of the ways that people have approached this until now? You know, whether they're based on Grand Central Dispatch or some other technology. Yeah, there are some new, uh, rather new, uh, I'm not sure exactly how new, but JavaScript. Um, and I actually don't know which was of the, the most famous uh, programming language that introduced promises. Yeah, I uh, don't remember. I know that, yeah, JavaScript has them and baked in the language now. Yeah, it's, I believe, ES6 or, no, sorry, yes. I, I don't remember when, but JavaScript promises. And also, what's very popular nowadays. Uh, it's uh, FRP, Functional Reactive Programming. We have Reactive Cocoa and RX Swift, and all of the other, of course, the RX family, because you have them in other languages as well. So these are some new ways to deal with asynchronous programming. And on Apple platforms, there are there are they are. Uh, they work with Grand Center Dispatch. So it's a way for you to deal in a saner way with the asynchronous nature of Grand Center Dispatch. And this is what we have today. And while you might have all these technologies for how you talk about what's going to be coming back, what kind of callback or completion handler and so forth. I'm under the impression that the big problem is the management, how control is passed back and forth and how you create a first class concurrency model. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, that's in my point of view, that's that's one of the biggest problems that we have today. And 
And there are some some approaches uh, which, in my opinion, are nicer because they they simply convert uh, an asynchronous function to a synchronous uh, function. And for that, we have uh, C sharps async await. I, I believe JavaScript also has async await, and we have suspendable functions in Kotlin as well, uh, which is kind of an inspiration, I believe, for the proposal that we have in for Swift as well, that uh, I believe Chris Ladner and um, who else? I don't remember, but another Swift engineer that's also working on the proposal for async await functions in Swift. And this is exactly what I'm waiting uh, to go back full speed uh, to work on Zeebo. Because I believe this will, will be definitely a game changer, not only for, uh, for the server side, but for, for iOS development as well. Because we do a lot of callbacks. We have a lot of asynchronous functions in, in, in iOS as well. Can you, can you explain a little bit more about what, how async await works? I know this is a language in, or a, a construct in C sharp and, some other languages, but I think probably a lot of our listeners haven't actually run into it before. Um, yes. So if you could explain that, it'd be great. Yeah. Um, the async await, uh, it depends on the, on the implementation. Uh, the, the proposal that Chris Latner wrote is a bit different from most, uh, the most popular uh, languages that use async await. I believe it was made popular by C Sharp. In C Sharp, they have this concept of tasks. And tasks, tasks are basically the same thing as, as promises in futures. So for you, when you have a function that returns a, a, a task in, in C Sharp, you can uh, put a keyword called await. And when and then if you basically convert an asynchronous function in a synchronous function. Uh, I, I don't know the, the full details of how C sharp work works, of how the C sharp implementation works, but it it probably has a coroutine uh, uh, implementation behind it that translate that makes that translation the the control the uh, flow of control uh, uh, is switched. I, I don't mind, I'm not sure that that's the, how it works correctly, uh, but, but I, this is um, from a user uh, point of view. When you have your, when you call a suspendable, a suspendable function, sorry, and uh, an asynchronous um, a function that you mark it as uh, uh, async. So uh, when you define a function that that it's awaitable, uh, let's say you you must define it as with an await keyword and uh, sorry async keyword. And then when you're going to call that function, you use the await keyword that will uh, translate the synchronous nature of that code to a synchronous nature. It's hard to explain with, with just sound. It would be nice to have an image to show you, but this is the gist of it. Well, we'll link to uh, we'll link to something in the show notes that goes into some more detail oh, about yeah. how it works. But I mean, basically, awesome. the the important thing is that you can write your code the same way you would write it if it were just regular synchronous code. So, say you have an asynchronous function yes. that goes out and gets an image from the network. Right now, that takes a while, so you pass in a completion closure, and that completion closure gets called later. And we have all these problems we've talked about with callbacks and pyramids of doom. With async await, you'd basically be able to say let image equals await, you know, fetch image and call the function, the fetch image function. And then on the next line, which is not in a, not in a closure, uh, you can just use that image. So the code looks like regular synchronous code, but then the, the compiler um, makes it so that it actually runs asynchronously. And uh, it's, it, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's you nice explain thing. it much better than me. <laughs> and this is, of course, important for code reading, code maintenance, yes, code uh, understandability, and just overall being able to change code 
because what happens, and you've mentioned this a few times, is that this pyramid of doom, which means one function called nested in another function called nested in another function called, and the nesting gets deeper and deeper and deeper, the code suffers as a result. Yes. Right? Yeah. And one of the the worst uh, parts of this nested functions uh, function calls inside of, uh, of other function calls, the callback how, is the problem of, problem of error handling. It becomes uh, much harder to to much cumbersome to to deal with error handling that way, and from the the proposal that Chris Latner made, uh, actually, one of the the uh, proposed uh, how can I say the one one of the things that could be added to the proposal. I, I forgot the, how how you call that. Um, it is to make asynchronous functions be a, like a subtype of throwing functions. So, so from that idea, you get uh, uh, that both those, those two concepts are very fairly related, and and I believe that's one of the key problems uh, for asynchronous function in synchronous asynchronous functions. And the proposal that Chris Latner did it's it's very nice in that regard. One of the things I find interesting about all of this is that concurrency is intrinsically difficult. You have, um, you know, all, all of the problems that anybody who's done concurrent, or especially, you know, multi-threaded programming knows about with race conditions yes. and deadlocks and, and, you know, accessing shared mutable state for multiple threads and all that stuff. And it seems like the, the way to improve that, or at least the way we're trying to improve that, is by making it so that the language... Um, the languages we use have constructs that make it so that we as human programmers uh, don't have to think about those things as much and it, it, it leads us toward implementations that are correct and let, lets the compiler do a lot, lot more of the heavy lifting. And so, you know, a lot of these, uh, like async await and a lot of these other constructs, they don't accomplish tasks that we couldn't already accomplish on our own. They just make it so that at the language level, they're much easier for us to comprehend and get correct. Yeah. And it's a very swift thing exactly. to mark a function or a method with keywords that indicates the quality of what that method or function is doing, such as, is it a throwing function? And if I understand this correctly, in the proposed solution, you mark it as something that can execute as a coroutine. And then you just say, compiler, you go ahead and handle this. You, you handle the scheduling and, you know, suspension and resumption and all that sort of thing. All I have to do is mark it as an asynchronous function. And then I get everything else for free. And yes. that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, you take the burden out of the programmer and you put it on the tooling. And that's that's something that really makes me uh, enjoy Swift more and more. And again, I'll say this, this is the, the missing feature. So so I can say, yeah, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say that Swift is complete, you know, because it, it's never going to be like fully complete. But the basics, you know, it, it takes care of uh boilerplate basically the same thing with uh codable and decodable protocol it's the it's another thing that really makes a huge difference as a programmer so you can really focus on what you're trying to express and that's what i like about swift it's that you you're free to focus on what matters you know does it bother you that swift is a little bit behind all these other languages that it sort of lets the other languages shake out the technology before adopting. Do you run your own freelance business or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere. 
available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, could, could you repeat the question uh, just so I, I really understand what, what you're asking? Does it bother you that Swift is following rather than leading when it comes to these sort of technologies? Because a lot of what we see in Swift show up in other modern languages first. Yes. And then there's a time of migration, mm-hmm. and then they do get added into Swift, but it sort of is filtered by experience yeah. and time before they hit Swift. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I like it because we don't need to rush into things. We, we, we have to, to take an approach to really uh, not just because async await, for example, they're not just adding it to the language as exactly as it was implemented in another language. For example, uh, the C-sharp, uh, implementation, it requires promises. And the, the Chris Latner's uh, proposal doesn't require promises. You can build promises on top of the, of the proposal, but it doesn't require them. And, and it also uh, translates things to be more uh, in its swift spirit, you know? So in a way, I don't, I don't get frustrated because of that. Um, uh, because I know they are do, they are doing a, a a good job that's very concise. You know everything works fits well together. So, and I believe patience in in general is it's a virtue. So, yeah, um, I I believe they are doing the right way. I mean that's really the Apple way, right? They they do this all the time with their products. The the iPhone was not the first smartphone. The iPod was not yes. the first hard drive MP3 player. So they have a long history of taking technologies that were originally developed elsewhere and then refining them and sort of figuring out um, how to make them best for for the most people. And and I, I actually like that that philosophy is extending to Swift and and you know some of the develop the stuff for developers because. I don't want to be the guinea pig for some new computer science idea that yeah. somebody came up with and has never been used in, on a wide scale. I'd much rather that we learn from other people doing that first. I yeah, really definitely. like the fact that they are fully integrating this with the error handling system. And the example, if I remember correctly, that they gave was we always talk about downloading an image, you know. Yeah. And so we're going to go ahead, download an image. And while we're doing that, there's a progress bar or a a spinner wheel or something. And for some reason, there's some sort of failure. And under the proposed model, you can catch that failure. You can abandon the process that would have had some sort of deferred cleanup of the, the, the spinny thing or the progress bar and perform your cleanup in the catch part of that error handling. And to me, that really talks about thinking at a really deep level, at a very fine grain level of all the possible paths, whether you're suspending something or resuming something or an error happens during the middle of an asynchronous call. There's so many details, and it's so complex. And I'm really excited hearing what you're working on and what the Swift team is working on and the whole process of Swift evolution to handle those very fine, very technical, very fussy details 
to make sure that concurrency is done right from the first. Yes. You mentioned that. Uh, I don't know if it's, it is on the proposal, but I believe defer uh, statements would also work the same way in that that's something that if you were going to implement in an asynchronous fashion, that would be much more complicated. And defer, it's one of my favorite keywords because like, it has so much complexity uh, if you're if you're like doing the work yourself. Uh, if you're trying to think all of the ways that that function uh, can exit, and then you're going to look for the code, it's much harder to to do it yourself and have the language do that for you. That's that's really something. One of my favorite pro tips for Swift is that whenever you do any sort of setup, you do a deferred cleanup at exactly the same time. You know, yes. if you do memory allocation, just defer the deallocation. And they're on this, you can either have the, the same line or one line right after, but in terms of code, they're right next to each other. And you can, yes. when you're doing visual inspection, if you've got a defer statement right next to setup, You've got that cleanup and you know that it's handled. And it's, I think defer is possibly my favorite part of the language. Yeah, I think so. Mine too. <laughs> I, I, I don't, uh, when I'm teaching, I don't introduce defer until a little later. I, I think I actually introduce it in the same lessons that I introduced uh, closures and, and asynchronous programming, but. Anyways, students always just love it when they see it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's a, it's definitely a popular feature even among beginners. And I, I love seeing more stuff like that added to the language because, you know, again, defer doesn't do anything you couldn't do yourself, but it makes it so uh, you're a lot less likely to do it wrong. Yeah. So we don't have a huge amount of time left, but can you tell us about where concurrency is now? What is the state of concurrency in Swift, and when are we going to see something with it? Yeah, um, um, I believe the async await it already already has a, a an implementation, a pool of pull request with uh, the basic implementation. I don't know if it's the full thing, but the promise that we get is that Swift five will have at least async await, and there's another proposal for actors as well. I'm not sure if it's already a proposal or just a, a, a manifesto or something like that, but actors as well, it's, it's um, a bit more uh, abstract, uh, an abstract um, a bit higher abstraction on top of async await that I think will really be an, another really good thing if, if we have them, at, especially for the backend. Because we could have um, what what's the word um, um, dis distributed? Sorry, my my pronunciation is not that good. Distributed? How do you could pronounce? Ah, oh, you're fine. Distributed. <laughs> distributed um, uh, actors act. It's like code that can run in different machines uh, and scale uh, as the load uh, gets gets higher. The, the code can run in other machines, the same code that you wrote. And that ties really well with, uh, that needs actually codable in uh, the codable protocol protocol to make uh, the return type of your functions. It may be returned from somewhere else. It doesn't need to be returned from the same process uh, that you are running. It, it could be re re uh, returned from another machine, for example. And, of course, that, that you asked me about the present, that's the future, but it's, it's nice to know that we're heading in that direction. And the key part for that, which is async await, it's, it's practically, practically already here. Uh, I believe, I really strongly believe that Swift 5 will, will have async await. I want to believe. <laughs> we should all have faith. <laughs> just, just like we've been, we've had faith that we are going to get ABI stability for for a long time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but but really, don't you hope that they get that to us when it works 
rather than just because they promised it at a deadline. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm 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 teasing. I'm not complaining. I <laughs> and and the other thing is ABI stability actually doesn't matter nearly as much for everybody outside of Apple as it does for Apple themselves because it's really yes. about them being able to ship system frameworks in Swift. Yeah. Um I so but so the current the current state if you go, you know, just download Xcode right now and start writing Swift in Swift 4, the current version. Um GCD is is Grand Central Dispatch is definitely the the default de facto you know recommended way to do concurrency, and uh, maybe it is because I'm getting old, but GCD still se- seems relatively new to me, and and it has some really good things about it. I think it's actually a really well done library, but it's good to know that uh, we're continuing to to look look at improvements and um. I didn't. I actually have. I don't follow Swift Evolution closely enough to know. I didn't realize that Swift Five was likely to have async await but that seems like really good news yes uh, uh, actually i'm not lately these last few months i'm not that uh that into the swift evolution maybe uh, erica might know more than me about that well one thing i should mention is that swift evolution and several of the other mailing lists are migrating to a forum yes which i I find much harder to follow everything if you want to stay on top of everything but uh there is a beta forum open and i believe it's forums.swift.org yeah i think that it that's it i think it's and i think it's an interesting trade-off because i think you're right that it's harder to follow everything but i think it's easier to follow just the things you care about i'm I'm looking forward to the forums being the the thing i'm i'm glad and if you have a github account um you just you sign up you link it to your github account and you're good to go awesome yeah i was one of the 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 people that ask for a forum because yeah, it's, it's very hard for me to keep track of a mailing list. Maybe I'll be more active now with the forum. It's beautifully put together. A lot of effort has been put in to try to make this work well for the Swift community. And it's awesome. <laughs> Given that I was one of the loudest voices against the forum, <laughs> um, just simply because of my personal use case, where I really do need a full archival record coming through and I need to be able to scan on a daily basis for any yes. news items. Um, I'm hoping I can continue doing that. And fingers crossed, I won't be just kind of losing the ability to keep on top yeah. of what's happening. No, what you do is very important. So, yeah, let's not lose that. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to give credit to everyone who worked on the forums because they really made a huge effort to make this work look beautiful and be functional under you know rather strenuous circumstances as for what's happening in concurrency on swift evolution right now things have sort of slowed down um chris latner is spending a bit of his time trying to sell the idea of interoperations with dynamic um messaging languages such as python and he's yeah, done some proof of concept stuff on that i haven't really seen much concurrency discussion it sort of fell to the back yeah. i suspect once january hits because between january and march is generally when things get really into shape for the next language release i yes. suspect I believe during that time we're going to see concurrency come back. We're going to see what people have been doing in the background because even though there's, you know, Apple group represented on Swift evolution, a lot of the work is done by people who aren't on Swift evolution 
And I think they've been working hard at getting this done, getting it right. So I would not be surprised in that time frame to see it come back. And yeah. we can always just hop on the list and say, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I think I'll do that. <laughs> I just checked the forums um, because I had signed up with my GitHub account and it looked like it, it kind of looked like they purged all those. And now you have to sign up with your own email address and password. Yes, that was a beta before this. This is the second beta. Oh, okay. And with the second beta, if you sign up with your email address and then link your um, GitHub, it will then combine the two identities into one. If you do it the opposite way around, it doesn't work so good. I wonder if I can. I wonder if I can figure out where to link my GitHub. Yeah. Um, we can hear you typing, though. That's actually not me. Oh. Sorry, sorry. That's, that's me. <laughs> Trying it out. Anyway, yeah, it's a really I'm exciting time to, to be in Swift. Um, the language itself, you know, between three and four, stabilized a lot. And yes, there will be some breaking things between four and five but not a lot and they'll be pretty easily migrated. And I think they took a lot of effort to try to fight back against anything that's going to break the language, but concurrency generics. Um, what are some of the other things? Can you think of off the top of your head that's coming in? Swift five. Yeah. One of my favorites is, um, I always forget the name of the feature. It's related to to generics. No, sorry, not generics. To uh, the optional thing. Oh, sorry, can't remember. <laughs> Result type. No, it's higher kind con con conditional conformances. Oh yeah. Oh, conditional conformances. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's one of my favorite that I've been waiting for a long time. <laughs> Although I'm also excited for higher kind of types at some point. I don't think that's on. on I don't think that's going to make it to Swift 5. No. Yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but on then it's also hand, so. a language that changes every single year. And, you know, there's going to be two versions of Swift 4. 4.1 is coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I always forget about the point, point stuff. The point release. <laughs> it's sort of like programming in a whirlwind. Yes. I yeah. think call it a language for masochists, <laughs> <laughs> but fussy masochists who really like cool programming power. It'll be great when it's all done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when do you expect it to be done? After I'm dead. The journey is the reward. <laughs> yeah. Or as those who read Brandon Sanderson would say, journey before destination. Yes. Well, is there anything else about concurrency you really think we should talk about before we finish up, Paolo? Um, I don't know. Maybe I, may, I briefly mentioned promises and uh, reactive programming. I, I think Chris Heidhoff was working on a library that has a, a little twist on reactive programming. Um, I don't remember the details, but he calls it like incremental programming, something like that. Have you seen that? I don't think so. We'll definitely look into it. Yeah, it has. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, if you can find a link, we should put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll look for it later. Then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll send you. But uh, the difference is that there's a problem with uh, current uh, functional reactive libraries like uh, Rx Swift and uh, Reactive uh, Swift. Uh, it's related. I don't remember the term as well, but it's something like um, it glitches. That, that's the name glitches. That's a phenomenon that happens with certain kinds of implementations, and he has an algorithm that fixes that. And he made a tiny library. I think he 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 purposely made it tiny uh, 
just maybe as a proof of concept, not as something, not as something really serious, but it, it uses this algorithm uh, to, to fix glitches in reactive programming. You know, that sounds suspiciously like a good pick for the week. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, 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 I have to remember the, the name, but yeah, it, it will be on the, on the notes. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, um, what if somebody is brand new and they don't know anything about concurrency and they've just listened to this and heard a bunch of stuff that they don't know anything about, um, where can they go to start learning about this stuff? <laughs> good question. It's hard to, to, to find good, uh, good, good words on the subject. I honestly, I, I learn what I know about concurrency by just through a lot of resources. I, I, I can't point you to a specific one. Um, there's this book I am try, I want to read. The name is, uh, I believe it's seven concurrency models in seven weeks. I'm not sure if that's the name, but I believe that there, that's a good book to read because I, I saw someone mention it. They're going to read this book in their uh, book club, the tech book, book club. Uh, so I believe it, it should be a good resource. And, I'll and that's by Paul well. Butcher. Yes, yes. And it's um, from the Pragmatic Bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. The link will probably be on the notes as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, that link will be in the show notes. Um, a book I like, uh, well, book is too <laughs> too strong of a word. Um, obje the Objective-C.io guys, uh, back when they were doing oh, yeah. the magazine, did a issue on concurrent programming. This is before Swift, so I think all the examples in, are in Objective-C if they're in a you know language at all. And but it's really a, a pretty g general like introduction to concurrent programming. So they just talk about what is concurrent programming? What is a deadlock? What is a race condition? How do you solve these things? And then there, I know there's a chapter in there about the low level concurrency APIs on iOS, including, I don't know, P threads and NS thread and Grand central dispatch and everything. So um, that's definitely, definitely worth reading for, for an introduction to the whole topic. It does not go into things. I don't think it goes into things like uh, async await or promises or coroutines or anything like that. Um, those being no, sort of new, so. new to the yeah. iOS world. Yeah, I just remember another another book by uh, what's the name of the guy that that ran NS Hipster? Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson. Yeah, he has a book on uh, on low level stuff. I don't remember the name as well, but it's, it's uh, it talks about Grand Central Dispatch. There's a, a a chapter that talks about Grand Central Dispatch. And it's very good. It, it helped me understand a lot of dispatch sources, which is uh, which is the kind of stuff that you need to know if you really want to, to dig in to for the server side using Grand Central Dispatch. Uh, so yeah, that's a, a great resource as well. And I believe that's called CF Hipster Ref. Yeah, that's the one. And is available on Gumroad. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Mike Ash's blog is another. Uh, really good source of stuff about low level things. And you should visit it every Friday. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember a blog post he, he, he did uh, on how to emulate uh, Objective-C, uh, coroutines in Objective-C by hacking switch statements. Man, that was, how did, did anyone thought about that? I, I can't understand, but that's a very interesting, interesting, uh, read as well. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and so if there's nothing else, let's wrap up and get the picks. For you, the listeners of the iFreak show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code bridge 10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20 and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, 
Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Uh, Erica, do you have any picks for us? I do, and my pick, unsurprisingly, is the new Swift Forums. And you (laughs) can find them at forums.swift.org. All right, we talked about those a little already. Paolo, what about you? Do you have any picks for us? Yeah, I would, I'll go with the, the library. If, if it's ready, I believe it's ready. It's published already on GitHub. The Chris Eidhoff's library from in, for incremental programming. Very cool. Well, I've got two picks today, and they're not concurrency-related at all. Uh, my first pick is actually something I got for Christmas. It's a book. I, I hope I haven't picked it before because it's been on my wish list for a long time, but it's a book called Iconic. Um, if you've seen the Apple Designed in California book that they released, which is basically a photo book full of pictures of Johnny Ives designs, um, it's the same idea, except it's something you can actually afford. And it has pictures going all the way back to the beginning of Apple's history with the Apple One. Um, I think it's actually the better book to buy. Uh, anyway, it's, it's iconicbook.com. Really well done, full of Pictures of Apple products starting with the Apple One all the way up through whatever the latest iPhone was when when the book was done, which was a couple of years ago. Um, and a whole section of prototypes, which is really fun to look at because you see stuff that definitely looks like an Apple product, but it, it never saw the light of day. And uh, like a Mac Mini with an iPod dock built into it and, and weird stuff like that. So that's my first pick. Um, my second pick is actually a Kickstarter project. Uh, my little brother is an animator and a filmmaker, and he has a, a Kickstarter project up um, trying to get money to make a stop-motion animation film that he's been working on for a long time. He's really excited about it and really wants to make it uh, and needs a little money to, to make it happen. Um, so it's called The Emerald Deep, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, if you're at all interested in, in animation or, or short films, go check it out. Those are my picks. All right, Paolo, thanks for coming on and talking to us about concurrency. Uh, if people want to know more about you, where can they go to find you? Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, my GitHub is probably the best way to find all the work I've done with concurrency. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back to iOS development. I might ship a, a library for, for uh, how can I say, issue management uh, but yeah, my GitHub, it's uh, github, github.com slash paulofaria. Okay, and uh, are you on Twitter? Yeah, but I don't use it, use it that much, so <laughs> it's not worth following me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> nobody go, go follow Paolo. Yeah, uh, please don't, don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> but do check him out on GitHub. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Okay, thanks everybody for coming, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.